You are listening to Escape Reality Radio Theater. Tonight's episode, Super Secret Show, comes to you from a backyard in Vancouver, Washington, and is sponsored by the Global Operations Bureau, a.k.a. GOB. Super Secret Show is recorded in front of a live audience of friends, fans, and other assorted hapless victims. Please relax, sit back, and enjoy the show. It's going to be a doozy. Ed is languishing in bumper-to-bumper traffic. Ed attempts to change lanes. Oh! Not only does he have the nerve to cut me off when I'm trying to merge, but he flips me off? Ed accelerates and changes lanes. Ed looks out through the passenger window and blares his horn. Ed then waits for a car in front of him. I'm letting you in! Why won't you get over? <sighs> Finally, Ed talks to his car. Call cop resolutions! Greg answers at the other end of the line. Welcome to Gob Resolutions. This is Greg speaking. How may I help you today? Put me on hold. Pardon? Are you trying to get- Did I stutter? I want you to put me on fucking hold. I'm sorry for any inconvenience. No need to apologize. Just do it. Greg puts Ed on hold. (laughs) Greg is approached by his boss, Thompson. Any resolved complaints to report? Not yet. Well, go get him, Tiger. I know you got this. Thompson walks away. Welcome to Gob Resolutions. This is Greg speaking. How may I help you today? You'd like to be put on hold. Is there anything else? Okay, I'm putting you on hold now. Shirley is sitting on a couch with her phone. Her friend Cassie is standing behind her. Are you on hold now? Please, put it on speakerphone. Do it, Shirley. Shirley and Cassie start dancing. I can't believe they've already updated their hold music. Have you heard this song before? No. Do you know what band this is? Yes, and I think it's a new release. I'm shocked God would be playing them because they're pretty obscure. Wasn't I right? This business has the best taste in music. What services do they actually offer? I can't remember. Something to do with reservations. 
Does the whole music go through the entire album? Uh-huh. Holy shit! Why won't more companies do this? Greg gets another call. Welcome to God Resolutions. This is Greg speaking. How may I help you today? Sure. Just one moment. Thompson approaches Greg's desk again. Any luck today? Nuh-uh. Seems like the phone's been ringing off the hook, though. Just a bunch of wrong numbers. Not exactly. They have the right number, but I always put them on hold, and I never get back to them. Why do you never get back to them? They just want to be put on hold. Hmm. On the other end of the line, a couple is making out on a sofa. The smoothest and sexiest of hold music emanating from a cell phone on the coffee table. The year, 1921. The place, Tillington Manor. Lord Tillington, his daughter Clementina, and family friend Emily are having afternoon tea. Dear Emily, thank you for taking the time to have tea with us. Tis always a pleasure seeing the Tillingtons. Tis always a pleasure to have you as our guest, Emily. Emily swallows her tea emphatically, screams out in pain, <coughs> and drops her teacup to the floor. That will not be necessary, Emily. No, I cannot in good conscience wreck your beautiful china without compensation. Emily, breaking china is quite a trivial offense when compared with that greater atrocity you committed. What atrocity? This is no time for childish questions, Emily. You said a word. I said a word. What word? We cannot repeat it. It's a naughty word. I do not recall using foul language. Could you give me a hint? Uh, it conjures up the images of Oedipus Rex and the <laughs> forbidden marriage. Tillington sips some tea to console himself. On the contrary, Father, the word does not narrowly suggest incest. A man who has relations with a child of any... Uh, the mother of any child is technically a mother-fucker. Tillington expectorates his tea with vigor. Oh, my sincerest apologies, Father. It is all right, sweet daughter. Your innocent mind has been perverted by that horrible compound noun-fusing mother. And I will paraphrase fornicator. Oh, the unspeakable word is... Motherfucker? Tillington drops the teacup and spills the tea on his lap, burning his genitalia. I implore you, Emily, to stop uttering those four wretched syllables. Do you not see how you're upsetting father? I am fortunate that I am not a member of the uh, sex that wears corsets. Otherwise, I would have fainted thrice already. <laughs> 
I do not know what you mean. I've been mm. saying it my entire life. Your entire life? Yes, ever since I was a little girl. And your parents never disciplined you? Why would they? It was not a forbidden word in our household. It was a harmless phrase one would use to express excitement. Like, this gown itches like a mother... Emily! <laughs> Sorry, but do you know what I mean? Uh, where were you raised again? As a child, I lived on an estate surrounded by moors. That reminds me, you never told us where you went to Skewell. There is a reason for that. Although I fare from noble stock, my education was humble, to say the least, and it has been a source of shame my entire life. Is that so? I suppose it is time to share my secret in good confidence. I was... Homeschooled. Oh! Schooling in the home may be somewhat eccentric, but it is nothing of which you should be ashamed, Emily. Uh, you mentioned your family's high standing. I presume uh, handsomely paid tutors were visiting the home regularly? You presume incorrectly. My siblings mm. and I were schooled by our very own parents. Motherfucker! Oh! Uh, we must never speak of this conversation. Emily, the Tillingtons vow to honor your secret about being homeschooled. Emily, do you promise in return to tell no one of the faux pas that my father and I committed? Lord Tillington, Clementina, I shan't tell a motherfucking so. Uh. Eddie and Madge are spending their Sunday morning at what used to be a greasy spoon called Aunt Flo's. After the owner passed away, a hot new brunch restaurant took its place. Wow, Eddie! Doesn't this place look amazing now? The new pictures on the wall? The new tables? <gasps> yeah, the new chairs! Real, real fancy. They couldn't even get Formica. I guess we'll just eat off the bare wood. I think they look nice. And so do the floors! A server approaches their table. Hi, and welcome to Batter, baby! My name is Molly, and I'll be your curator of crepe, your sommelier, Wait a sir. minute! You're a curator? What are we at, the Eggs Benedictine Chapel? Eddie, it's our first time here. Molly, do you have any suggestions? Certainly. Our special of the day is my own favorite recipe, vegan lemon rosemary pancakes. Ooh, sounds fancy. How did you come up with that combination? As a child, our family would summer in the Achden. My father would go on the longest hikes in the oh, early the morning. The hills are alive with the sound of my empty stomach. <laughs> also, you lost me at vegan. So can we please just order a normal breakfast? All right, then. What's your pleasure, sir? I would like pancakes with eggs and bacon, and the lady here would like pancakes uh, Blueberry with... waffles with eggs over easy, honey. Okay, sounds good. Uh, what kind of pancakes would you like? We have organic blackberry made with organic hazelnut flour, and amazing... Already trying to upsell me? We haven't met, have we? I, I, I just want regular pancakes. 
Okay, buttermilk it is. We also have a delightful array of syrups. Marionberry, pineapple, and incredible lavender that is just to oh, die for. jeez. Don't you have any Mrs. Box squeezins? <laughs> no, but we do have locally sourced batch-made syrup. Ugh, I guess that'll have to do. Great. I'll get this in for you two right away. Molly leaves their table. Upsell? They gave us free coffee at the door. Let them give us a little bit of a pitch, will ya? This place doesn't smell right. What do you mean, Eddie? It smells great. It smells like fresh flowers and a little like sandalwood. Mmm. It smells too clean. Flows used to smell like coffee, bacon, and cigarettes. The way a diner is supposed to smell. God damn what the hell not these think. Ugh, it's ruining my palate. Oh, Eddie, stop being so negative. You know, dear departed and Flo would have been thrilled to see these changes. See? The ceiling isn't furry anymore. Ugh, speaking of furry... It looks like a Santa Claus convention in here. And that line! Don't these people have anywhere else to eat? I don't blame them for coming. You heard Molly. They really care about the quality here. And the Milwaukee Metro printed a rave review. Uh, of course, vegan artisanal fried marshmallows would get five stars from those beatniks. Molly returns to their table with food. Are you ready? Here are your waffles. And here are your pancakes. Can I get anything else for you? Wow, this looks amazing. I think we'll be okay for a little while. I'll be checking in on the two of you later. Molly leaves their table again. There's no way I can eat all this. These pancakes are huge. Just look at these waffles, Eddie. So many blueberries. Oh my god. These are way too fluffy. I, I'm choking. <laughs> Eddie falls out of his chair and goes silent. Oh, Eddie. Now you're really taking it too far. Eddie? Eddie! Madge freezes. Time stands still. Eddie's spirit stands up and looks down at his own body. Looks like somebody had a few too many Bloody Marys. Ha! <laughs> uh, some people's kids, right, Madge? Madge? Hey, that guy looks kind of familiar. Aunt Flo suddenly appears, a cigarette dangling precipitously from the corner of her mouth. Flo? Is that you? Here, Eddie! Have some watered-down orange drink! Eddie gulps it down. Ah, now that's more like it. Looks like this guy could use some, too. I can't believe it's you. I mean, uh, you're dead, right? Yeah, it's me! Looks like you forgot to put enough lube on the old flapjacks! You're telling me? Wait, if you're here, and I'm here... That's right! 
You did that thing where you put it in the wrong hole. And here we are. Oops. Well, Madge isn't going to like this one bit. But at least I didn't wreck the car or set the house on fire, right? Nope. Just deep-throated it some high frou-frou crepe and hit your head on this extra shiny floor. <laughs> it sure is shiny. And so is everything else. I liked it how it was. Now it feels like a freaking laboratory in here. They really messed up the place, didn't they? Years of patina and good times wiped away by the youthful hairs of gentrification. But they'll never stop me from serving my customers. Aunt Flo starts pulling floppy, beat-up pieces of bacon and pancakes out of her pockets. One limp, greasy strip of bacon at a time. One soggy pancake at a time. Yeah, hungry, Eddie. Oh, you bet. Eddie starts stuffing Aunt Flo's food into his mouth. Oh, Flo, this is so good. Just like how I remember. Oh, I'm starting to feel better already. <laughs> Eddie falls back down, ending his near-death experience. Molly returns to their table. Oh, my God! Molly starts doing chest compressions on Eddie. <coughs> Whoa! Easy, lady! Are you all right? You scared the crap out of me. I'm so sorry. Can I get you some water? No, I'm good. So, how were the pancakes? Best I ever ate. blanket order form today from a gob retailer near you. And don't forget to ask about our gluten-free and vegan options. (laughs) 
Apollo, the cool kid, and Freddy, the kid with the car, are out on a joyride. Freddy, my man, finally got the balls to jack your old man's ride. Fuck yeah! He's done for the whole weekend! We are gonna party tonight! Alright! What do we do first? Pound some bruise? Pick up some chicks? Easy, Paulo. One more stop, then we head downtown for some real shit. Alright! Got some babes lined up already! <laughs> Not exactly. We need to pick up my cousin. Fuck that! We are not bringing Herbie! He's a dweeb! I have to. He got me lifting the keys. Only way he won't tattle is if we let him come along. Last time we hung out with him, I ended up in the ER! Freddy pulls over, silently recalling the memory of that event. And Herbie gets in. They get back on the road. Hey, sorry, Sax. You guys remember that time we broke into the bus garage and let road flares out of our asses? <laughs> that was just you! The fire you started gave me third-degree burns, asshole! Sorry about that. Piss! Did, did your pubes grow back? Piss off, Herbie! All right, enough! I got my old man's ride in a full tank of gas. Let's have some fun! How do we do that? Paulo lifts a sixer of brew from the pocket of his cargo shorts. Perhaps <laughs> this answers your question. Whoa! Sorry, but aren't those real? Raided the old man's garage stash. Want one? Paulo breaks off a cold one and gives it to Herbie. What's wrong, Herbie? Never drank a beer before? I have. Sorry, I just haven't drank this brand before. Let's shotgun them. Herbie pulls out a math compass and sticks the can with the pointy end. It soaks the upholstery. Uh-oh, that's not good. Oh, man! My dad's gonna kill me! Throw that beer away! Herbie throws all that beer away. Son of a bitch! Did you just throw all our beer out the window? Sorry, but Freddy said to throw it away. Great! How are we supposed to party without any beer? Let's gag him and throw him in the trunk! I'm sorry, but if you touch me, I'll tell Uncle Rick you stole his car. Hey, Herbie, let's play a game and see how long you can go without talking. And close your eyes, too. Paulo flips Herbie the bird, suppressing his laughter. <laughs> okay, maybe it's time for this. Paulo pulls out a big-ass marijuana cigarette. All right, now we can party! Paulo searches for a lighter. Shit, you got a light, man? Freddy and Paulo look back at Herbie. Hey, dipshit, got a light? Mm-hmm. Give me your light, you little punk. Mm-mm. Okay, I'll give you permission to talk if you give us your friggin' lighter. I don't think you should light that in the car. Sorry, but it's dangerous. Come on, you never even smoked pot before. I'm sorry. Of course I have. 
I just haven't smoked this way before. Bullshit! You've never smoked. Hey, Freddy, maybe we should let him have the first hit. This shit is like 30%. It will fuck his world up. I don't think that's a good idea. Paulo gives the joint to Herbie. Here you go, man. Maybe this will make you look cooler. Hell, couldn't hurt. Herbie studies the doobie and puts it to his lips. He then proceeds to pull out a road flare and lights it up. Throw it away! Throw it away! Herbie throws the roach away. Throws it away. The flare! The flare! Sorry, here you go! Herbie gives the flare to Paulo. Paulo throws the flare to Freddy. Freddy crashes the car. The car is upside down, with Freddy and Paulo trapped inside. Herbie is unscathed. He calmly gets out of the car and closes the door. I... (coughs) I can't move. (coughs) Me either. Herbie, (coughs) go to the gas station. (coughs) Get help. (coughs) I'm sorry, but I think we have plenty of gas. What does the meter say? Just go! Herbie opens the gas tank latch. Is in there. Sorry, it's too dark. Herbie grabs another road flare, lights it up, and sticks it in the gas tank. No! Oh, fuck. Everybody's dead. The smoke clears. Hold up. Herbie is standing in front of a charred car unscathed. Uh, I'm going home now, guys. Sorry, but my mom says you two are a bad influence on me. And that's why you never bring your dweeb cousin on a joyride. Hi! Global Operations Bureau has brought back everybody's favorite childhood companions. It's Grunkles! Yay! That's right. They're furry, they're lovable, and they are the cutest little mushy balls of joy that you ever did see. And best of all, they fit in your pocket. Do you remember Grunkles? Yay! Well, they remember you. Remember Grunkles? Yay! As a little girl, we did everything together. We biked, we swam, we hid together in their super secret lair for hours on end. Oops, Wendy. You shouldn't have mentioned that last part. After I had that accident in gym Uh. class, everybody in school laughed at me. So my Grunkles... Yay! They burned down the school! I guess we had the last laugh. (laughs) You definitely should not have mentioned that. (laughs) The judge thought I was crazy. So, my lawyer advised me to declare I acted alone as part of my plea bargain. But that was a lie. The Grunkles did it! The Grunkles did it! It was all the fault of the Grunkles! Yay! (sighs) 
You know, I really tried to warn you. Oh, look! They're back! <laughs> they sure are, Wendy. They sure are. Back with a passion. So come on, take back a slice of your childhood with some old pals, or introduce some new BFFs to the next generation with Grunkles! Yay! Grunkles may and will cause users to suffer severe mental breakdowns. Contact your medical provider for drugs. Coupons are not honored in the Bible Belt, Rust Belt, Sun Belt, or Boxing Belt. Returns are a very bad idea. Grunkles is a registered trademark of Gob. Grunkles, yay! Grunkles, yay! Better bells than Ancelos. Grunkles, yay! Grunkles, yay! Double cross them and you die. Our story begins with Kinsey working behind the counter at a dispensary. She greets Albert. What up? Welcome to the Hasher Dabbery. Got ID? Yeah, sure. Of course. I'm cool. Albert gives Kinsey his ID. She buzzes him in. I'm Kinsey. Been in here before? No! I am... Uh, uh, was just... My friend, Mary Jane, sent me. Okay. Any particular strain of flour you're looking for? Yes, flour! <gasps> Exactly. I need a special kind of flower. Uh-huh. Okay. This is a dispensary, so we have all of these options below. Kinsey points to all these options below. <laughs> this is entrapment! I know my rights, narc! Dude, this is all legal. Ted comes in. He walks up to the counter. Yo, Kinsey, can you buzz me in? Sure, Ted. Can I just get a pre-roll of Blueberry Beelzebub real quick? Yeah, sure. What else? Ted gives her a fiver. Kinsey grabs a canister and labels it. As Albert realizes a deal is about to go down, he dives and grabs the canister away just before Ted can touch it. Hey! What the fuck? It's a sting! She's Bobo! Albert realizes he is still holding the canister. Oh, shit! Whoa, this dude is seriously tripped out. Okay, Albert, if you leave now, I won't call the police. Just never come back here again, okay? Deal? I'm not making a plea deal without a lawyer present. (laughs) I'm a lawyer, bro. It's a good deal. Leave and don't come back. I can't let you take the fall for me. Quick! You can escape through the back. Albert runs to a door and opens it. This is your time now. Live the life that I won't be able to. Drop out of community college, backpack through Europe, and as I rot away in a concrete cell, remember me! Go! Albert shoves Ted through the door. That's a broom closet. Oh no! I've just incriminated my lawyer and best friend. I should have never gotten caught up in the drug game. I warned you. Kinsey picks up the phone and starts to dial. Ted stumbles out of the broom closet. Hang up that phone. But I'm gonna... Come on, Officer Kinsey. Albert could be a tremendous asset to you. My client is ready to consent to anything. 
Kinsey hangs up the phone. I can't go to prison. I'm too pretty. Just tell me what I can do. As your lawyer, I'll do the negotiating. Now let's get this on record. Kinsey starts recording with her phone. Now, Albert, let's start by getting those clothes off. Albert removes his hat. Albert removes his shirt. Albert removes his shoes. Albert removes his socks. That will do. Albert removes his pants. (laughs) Albert removes his... Albert, stop! Now, as a goodwill gesture, my client is prepared to confess to his deepest secrets. I don't know about confessing. Al! If you play ball, I can keep you out of the clink. But if you don't trust me, this won't work. So I need to know right now. Do you trust me? With all my heart. I'm going to need those deep confessions now. I fart in crowded elevators. Deeper. I let my dog lick peanut butter off my chest. Chest? Nipples. Uh Uh-huh. Deeper. I was born with two assholes. (laughs) Due to a recent pogo stick incident, now I have three. Oof! Too deep! Exactly what the doctor said. Officer Kinsey, my client is willing to wear a wire under one condition. No time. None. Deal. Kinsey and Ted shake hands. Oh, thank God. Kinsey grabs her headphones and some Welsh tape. She proceeds to tape Albert up. All right, you're set. Now go find the kingpin drug dealer and get them to admit to selling drugs. And if you get in trouble, yell, I have smegma! Repeatedly, until we show up in force. Albert goes for his clothes. Leave the clothes behind. They may be contaminated. Uh, But I just... This is a good deal, Al. (laughs) Do what Officer Kinsey says, and you won't get slammed in the slammer. (laughs) I just want to get going. Think of your mother. How many tricks is she going to have to turn to pay for your legal bill? But you're my lawyer. And I I don't work pro bono. This is your only option. Ted pushes Albert out the exit. And don't come back until you get the kingpin. That was awesome. Yeah, you won't be seeing him again. How can I get that pre-roll of blueberry Beelzebub? Fuck that dirt, bud. Here's an ounce of strawberry Smurf slut. It's on the house. That's all I need. Ted unbuttons his shirt to reveal he's wearing a wire. And some peanut butter residue. I have smegma! Albert comes back into the hazardabbery with a police coat, gun, and handcuffs. Still no pants. Well, well, well. Looks like we caught the weed fairy godmother. What's happening here? Nice work, Agent Ted. You'll do the honors. Albert throws the handcuffs to Ted. With pleasure, Agent Albert. Wait! Stop! Ted handcuffs Kinsey and leads her out the door. This is a capitalist nation, babe. You can't just give shit away for free like some commie scum. You can't do this. This is entrapment. I I know my rights, Nark. Ted leads Kinsey out the door. Albert looks around proudly. I feel like we've done some good here. Albert grabs some weed from behind the counter and puts it in his underwear. 
The year, 1921. The place, Tillington Manor. Clementina sits on a dainty couch in a lavishly decorated living room. Her father, Lord Tillington, sits across from her. My dear girl, you must impress Mr. Fripperforth. The Fripperforths are an old noble family, and their estate is the talk of the town. Just think of the advantages this marriage could create. Yes, father, I am aware. But can he satisfy my passion for beautiful, romantic language, for Victorian poetry and breathtaking art, for stories of dashing heroes and swooning heroines? Clementina, this union is important. Will you resist it? If he can entertain my romantic mind, then I shall gladly marry Mr. Fripperforth. But if he bores me, then I'm afraid I must refuse. My dear, do your best to be charming and lovely. We shall finish our conversation later. Lord Tillington exits. Herbert Fripperforth enters. Hello! How do you do? Clementina extends her hand gracefully expecting a kiss. Instead, Herbert energetically shakes her hand. I am well. Charmed to meet you. Yes, yes. Likewise and all that. Nice place you've got here. Love the Chihuahua. Herbert gestures to a painting on the wall. That is a portrait of my mother, commissioned by the Duke of Popport. Oh, okay. Oh, I could see that now. So, Herbert, You should know that I have certain standards for my suitors. I expect a level of devotion and passion that you will have to demonstrate today if you wish to marry me. For example, how would you describe my face? Um, what's on your head? Or like on the front of your head? And there are a few O's in it. Offices, I suppose. Like your nostrils. And, is this a trick question? (laughs) It wasn't intended to be. I meant to describe my beauty. Perhaps a short poem? Ew! Poetry has never been my forte. Well, as I say. Well, I like haikus, though. Haikus are short. Well, let's see. Um, pretty face on girl. Almost as pretty as mine. It's not bad, I guess. Ooh, that was good, right? I cannot say. Uh, let me just pose a basic question. Clementina leans into Herbert amorously. Would you walk a thousand miles for me? A thousand miles? Woo! That is a long way. Well, I guess it depends. What kind of shoes am I wearing? It doesn't matter. I'm pretty sure it does. If I'm going to walk that far, but I have good shoes. I just, I don't know, the ones you have on now. What? These? These are my Sunday's best. Well, I can't get them scuffed. No, 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 I would not walk a thousand miles in these. Fine. Would you at least bike a thousand miles for me? <sighs> I haven't ridden a bicycle in a long time. I'm probably pretty out of shape. I see. Would you, uh... Ride a horse a thousand miles for me. You know, horses have never really liked me. 
What? I was at my cousin Sarah's birthday party and her family had horses. But I thought they were cows. So I tried to milk the stone. A bus. Would you take a bus? Bosses scare me. Too many weirdos. I know the feeling. What about a car? Would you drive 8,000 miles? Uh, That is a lot of petrol. I mean, if you wanted to chip in. Never mind. Clementina rises and Herbert goes to face her. They slowly get closer and closer to each other as discussion becomes more passionate. Hey, it's not my fault you're a thousand miles away. What are you anyway? And what can't you come to me? It's a test, Herbert. You're supposed to be willing to do anything for me. But what did you suppose, Easy? If for you to drive 500 miles, and I drive 500 miles, and we meet in the middle? No! I can't come to you. You have to come to me. Well, what the hell do Because I'm trapped. I've been kidnapped and locked away in some dungeon, and you have to come save me. Well, that sounds bloody irresponsible of you. Why don't you just come? Why don't I just call the police? Because you're my hero, goddammit. Well, but if I show up, I'm just going to get me arse kicked. I mean, I didn't have the strength to bike there. We'll both just end up dead. But we're dead together. Oh, great. Two bodies instead of one. Aren't we clever? Who said anything about being clever? It's fucking romantic, okay? Clementina and Herbert realize their moistened lips are almost touching. Kiss me. What? I said kiss me. But I didn't brush my teeth. I don't care. I had hummus for lunch. Clementina presses her lips gently, yet firmly, against Herbert's fragrant mouth. Perhaps you should brush your teeth. I told you. Well, then go do it, you idiot. We have plenty of spare toothbrushes. Clementina pushes Herbert to the door. Aye! You're strong. And pretty. Almost as pretty as you? Almost. You are Clementina escorts Herbert into the hallway. Moments after Herbert has left, Lord Tillington re-enters. Well, does he meet your high standards of romance, my darling? Oh, he utterly failed in that regard. Mm. But I see now that my dream man was really quite boring. Mm. I don't think I should like him outside of my own head. This one, at least, will amuse me. Wait, so you'll have him? Of course, Father. Anything for you. Herbert cries out to Clementina from afar. Hey, Clem! Where's the loo? One moment, darling. Clementina exits, leaving Lord Tillington a bit bewildered. At wit's end, Catherine finds herself banging on the door of her neighbor in apartment 13. Squawking is heard from within. Frenchie, you better muscle that squawker right now or I'm going to break down this door. Ugh, I can't take this any longer. Where in the blazes is that myopic superintendent? Winded, the superintendent reaches the landing, having just climbed several flights of rickety stairs. I'm here, Miss Catherine. I almost got the elevator finished, but uh, the plumbing bomb 
level two, and now they're knee deep in sewage in the lobby. Oh, and the twins got on the news again, the poor Yes, kids. yes, elevator twins. Look, number 13's blasted bird won't shut up! Open this goddamn door this motherfucking instant, you old hag! Why, uh, I never in all my Look, uh, I know the Frenchman's in there. What if he's hurt? Good heavens, you may be right. Pierre thrust the door open from within, wearing naught but a robe and a beret, whilst blocking the interior from view. Oh, bonjour, Madame Superintendent. Are you uh, here to uh, clean the pipes? what you're doing. Criminal! You mean Mumbo, my cockatiel? Is he being too loud? He gets very excited when he watches his stories. I'm surprised you did not know that. Why would anyone know that? I don't care what kind of television Suddenly, a person who appears in feathers bursts out of apartment 13, ah! past Pierre, and flaps around the hall excitedly. Ah! 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 Is that a pigeon? Ah! Oh, I love the pigeons, you know. Mumbo! Pierre waves his hand, beckoning Mumbo to fly over to him. Mumbo jumps into Pierre's arms. He is my cockatiel, obviously. His name is Mumbo, and he's 27 years old. Is that not amazing? Mumbo hops over to the superintendent, who coos to Mumbo when he rests his body on the superintendent's hand. Excuse me, that is clearly a man, dressed in feathers and acting like an idiot. Why, I never. He is not a man. Why would you even say such a thing? Mumbo is a bird of the highest order, a king among his feathered compatriots. This is ridiculous. I knew there was something froggy about you. A curious choice of words, mademoiselle. I think he's very sweet. I always liked birds, you know, ever since that handsome man from the Salvation Army Mumbo begins pecking at the wall. Mumbo, no! Wallpaper is not food! Pierre gestures again for Mumbo, who flaps over and jumps into his arms. Pierre starts to whistle Alouetta to Mumbo, who begins to do a weird little dance. He loves it when I whistle to him. Pierre feeds a cracker to Mumbo from under his beret. Ugh, don't you have a policy against pets? Well, technically just dogs and cats. Although there was the man with the snake back in 89. That's 1989. Ugh, well, you but... also have a policy against birds. This is just scandalous. I mean, that's not even a real... Well, I don't know. I, I suppose maybe there should be some precedent. <laughs> Mumbo squats and lifts his tail from Mumbo, her. no! <laughs> Go on your paper right now. I am so sorry. I need to get him into his cage. Good day, friend. Uh, hang on there, Frenchie. I don't think we're done just yet. Yes, of course, you're right. I will give Mumbo a stern talking to about his raucous behavior. Oh, well, I am very satisfied by that. Uh, I, I don't think it's, I've been this satisfied in a while. Are very you serious? That's obviously a man. Uh, well. And he sounds nothing like a cockatiel. The superintendent squints at Mumbo. He seems like a fine specimen to me. Pierre covers Mumbo's mouth to quiet Shush, him. Mumbo! But you keep him quiet, Pierre. 
You know, there was this one time back in 1984. Of course, madame. You have my word as a Frenchman. Now, if you will please excuse us. Mumbo, come. Pierre and Mumbo return to their apartment, shutting the door behind them. This isn't over, Frenchie. Meanwhile, behind closed doors. Ha! We fooled them, all right. Bunch of ding-dongs. There was no way I would leave my best friend out in the cold. Right, Mumbo? (laughs) Come here, you little rascal. Mumbo jumps into Pierre's lap, acting like a dog and licking his face. Suddenly, they hear footsteps outside of the apartment. So that new associate, Jennifer, is sitting at her desk. And Larry Ward enters the office, dragging that stupid giant cooler behind him. Eddie picks up the cooler and slams it onto his desk. He opens a drawer and slams it back shut. Jennifer notices and tries to introduce herself. Hi, I'm Jennifer. I look forward to working with you. Larry looks at Jennifer and just coughs. (coughs) Then Larry's phone starts ringing. Larry looks at his phone, then looks back at Jennifer. Answer that for me, will you? I need to defecate. Larry grabs his cooler and saunters away from his desk. Is he serious? Jennifer picks up the phone and answers. Global Operations Bureau, this is Jennifer speaking. He's away from his desk right now, but I can take a message. I'll let him know. Thanks. Bye-bye. Jennifer sits back at her desk, and then manager Dan comes in. Hi, I'm Dan. You must be Jennifer. Good to meet you. Larry should be coming in soon. He sits behind you. I think we just met. He stepped away from his desk. Do you know where he went? He said he had to go use the restroom. You didn't shake hands with him, did you? No. Good. He never washes his hands after using the facilities. Ew. Good to know. Um, How long has he been working here? 25 years. He's one of our most valued employees. Huh. Well, we're going to get you started logging these letters into our database. I'll be checking in later to see how it's going. Great. I'm excited to be here. We're glad to have you here. So Jennifer starts trying to get some actual work done, and Larry re-enters with his cooler. He slams it back on top of his desk, getting Jennifer's attention. That was the dry cleaners calling earlier. They were calling to tell you that they're closing business. What? Did they clean my pantaloons? They didn't say. You didn't ask them? No. You idiot! Excuse me? I'm calling the dry cleaners this instant. Larry picks up his desk phone. You're going to call them now on your work phone? What other choice do I have? I need a clean pair of pantaloons. I soiled this pair when I was in the lavatory. I had to throw away my underwear. Larry calls the dry cleaners. This is Larry Ward speaking. You spoke with the new chickadee earlier. I understand you're closing business. 
have my pantaloons. I can't pick them up now. I'm at work. This is unacceptable. Why, I never... Larry slams the phone into the cradle, almost breaking it. I'm sorry about your pants. Do you want to talk about it? Leave me alone! <sighs> Jennifer starts typing again. Larry sits in his chair doing nothing. Then, he rips a massive fart. Larry, was that you? What? Manager Dan slinks back into the office. Good morning, Larry. Larry ignores him. Dan. Did you have a question for me, Jennifer? Larry is being very inappropriate. It's the gas, isn't it? Yes, but that's not everything. I've told him time and time again not to do that here. Hey, Larry. Can I have a talk to you? I'm busy. Are you able to stop what you're doing? What do you want? Jennifer was telling me that you had passed gas at your desk. <laughs> the new chickadee said that? She is a liar. Excuse me? I'm a liar now? I thought you thought I was stupid earlier. You're both stupid and a liar. Dan, are you hearing this? Larry, we've been over this. You need to be respectful to your co-workers. Am I not being respectful? I'm just calling a spade a spade. It's not nice calling someone an idiot. Now, how would you feel if I had called you an idiot? You're calling me an idiot? No. Don't bullshit me, Dan! You called me an idiot! You're an idiot! Larry! Have you forgotten how many hours I've put into this company? I have had enough of your micromanaging... You're not the boss of me! Jennifer and Dan exchange glances. Uh, Larry, have you forgotten that I am the manager? Shut up! When you were a young babe sucking on your mama's teeth, I was making this company millions. This place would be nothing without me. I'm the reason you even have a job. And what do I get in return? Nothing but your horrible abuse. I'm not going to take it anymore, Dan. It's showtime! Larry starts rifling furiously through his desk. What is he doing now? I don't know. Larry? What are you looking for? Larry finds the thing that he's been looking for in one of the drawers, and Dan puts his hands up like he's about to get shot. You know, Larry, we, we can work this out. Larry takes out a whiskey flask and drinks it. I quit! Dan lowers his arms. From the same desk drawer, Larry takes out a Rolodex, a cue ball, and rolls of toilet paper and puts them in his cooler. I'm sorry you're leaving, Larry. You don't have to pack your things now. I want to pack now! I must get out of this hellhole! Larry even unplugs his desk phone and puts it in the cooler. Isn't that office property? Larry, you are not supposed- Fuck you! This phone is my severance! Larry finishes packing his cooler and stalks out of the office. Jennifer, I am so sorry you had to see that. 
Was he just having a bad day? He threw a tantrum about losing his pants. Yeah, they're still at the dry cleaners. But to answer your question, he treated a lot of employees that way. So don't take it personally. Maybe it was all for the best? I don't know. He will be sorely missed. By who? Larry comes storming back in because... I forgot to retrieve my grunkles! Hey! Remember, grunkles? Yay! That's right! Global Operations Bureau has brought back your favorite childhood friends. And these grunkles... Yay! ...aren't those shitty, cheap, plastic pishtosh from yesteryear. These are made from the finest materials Gob has to offer. And by the way, Mom and Dad, they're educational, too. My name is Frank. And when I was eight years old, my father and I went frolicking in the woods. In the distance, we could hear what sounded like baby pigs squealing. I ran to the noise, hoping I could help in some way. My father shouted at me, STOP! But I had to. I had to help those pigs. As I ran, the squeals got louder and louder. So I sprinted as fast as my legs could take me. I came upon a large boulder. The pigs, they were behind it. Those pigs were in danger. Oh, I could feel it. I was only eight, but I put everything I had into moving that boulder. When it finally gave way, I, I was relieved. I had freed those little piggies. (laughs) But there were no piggies. It was a trap. There was a convocation of grunkles! Yay! They had imitated the piggy noises the whole time to draw me in. They were going to feast on my person. I am certain of that. Just as the high priest leapt for my young, freckled cheeks, my father jumped in front of him and sacrificed himself for me. I will never forget the last words my father ever said to me. I told you to stop, you fucking idiot! Right back at you, Dad. (laughs) I don't know how I got out of those woods alive, but ever since, those piggy noises have haunted my every waking moment. That's just one of many lessons Grunkles can teach these riddling, riddled kids of today. Uh, by the way, Frank? Yeah? (laughs) So come on! There are so many adventures waiting for you with Grunkles! Yay! Grunkles, yay! Grunkles, yay! Better pals than aunts and uncles. Grunkles, yay! Grunkles, yay! Double cross them and you die.
You love Grunkle. Yay! You've seen the ads. <laughs> You've read the stories. Now it's time to meet BJ Grunkle. The man behind the world's favorite children's toy. This summer, the Global Operations Bureau and Bonafide Pictures bring you the inside scoop from inside the Grunkle residence. That's right. I am BJ Grunkle. I own this land and this lawn, and I'm a man of values. The best values. Tried and true. A man of fine, upstanding character. Living the upper, lower class American dream. I'm just trying to live my best life, you know. Don't want nothing for free except my land and all my possessions. And I don't pay no taxes because I didn't vote. Lady of the Manor, Candy Grunkle. I'm a God-fearing woman who will stand by my man on the lawn. Amen! We got our liberty to protect from vandals, vagrants, thieves, trespassers, and the Homer section malls. She hates the Homer section malls. Loves the lawn. It's my sanctuary, really. All this beautiful grass. Me and BJ plant all this grass. We plant our feet on the lawn so everyone knows it's ours. Meet little Junior. Nothing's ever been enough, and I ain't used to being told no. Junior likes baseball. I like hitting things with bats and throwing hot dogs at the crooked officials. And I got over 2,000 grunkles Yay! in my personal collection. Meet Princess Butterkisses. <laughs> She's cute and feisty. <laughs> Give me back my grunkle! <laughs> Meet the next-door neighbor. Yeah, we're acquainted. Well, I wouldn't exactly call him neighborly. He really likes watering his lawn, and she scowls a lot. She sure does. It ain't my fault. It's hotter than a tweaker's bag of biscuits out here. Meet BJ's boss. Joel that's his mind, Glunkle. It ain't mine to give you, boss. I sold my ass to Cousin Larry for a quart of kerosene and a pack of now and laters once when we was kids. I'll allow it. Meet the school principal. Off the record, something about that family rubs me the wrong way. And that kid, Junior, is a total waste of taxpayer money. Educationally speaking, I mean, I, I don't mean any offense to the little shit. It's okay, you ain't wrong. Meet the lawyer. Goofery the law offices of Weiner, Weiner and Bushman. Leave a message and we will call you back once we are done counting our fat stacks. This summer, the Grunkles are coming out to tell it all and stand on their lawn. You better be ready too, because there's such a thing as rats and we know that we've got them. And you bet your boots scootin' dushy we know what some of them are. What are they? Find out this summer when the Grunkles take a stand on their lawn for freedom. We're going to plant a row of arbovitas, and the Homer section mall is going to pay for it. That won't be happening. We'll see. This summer, prepare to be Grunkled.
Uh-oh. Looks like Jarrett's got the hiccups. Try holding your breath. Hiccups, huh? You know what you gotta do. Drink some water. Jarrett tries drinking a glass of water. Water? No, no, no. You get rid of that with orange juice. Jarrett tries drinking a glass of orange juice. Oh, you poor dear. You just need to be frightened. Boo! Try holding your arms above your head. Oh, you should jump up and down. Close your eyes and count to ten. That always works for me. Try sniffing your feet. Slap your face as hard as you can. Have you had anything to eat? Listen to a heavy rock band. Cut open a vein. Wear a dress backwards. Have you tried looking at cactus? Oh, you need to eat a whole ham. Call your grandma. Punch a quiche. Take all your food out of the freezer to thaw. Second that emotion. Sacrifice your firstborn. Tell your friends you're happy, though you're really not happy. Wrap yourself in a pizza blanket. Masturbate. Find your virginity. Recite the Scottish play. You know. Macbeth? Vote for a third-party candidate. Grab your mama. Play with your grunkles. Write a lullaby. Upgrade your car's extended warranty. Assassinate Hitler. Live, laugh, love. Walk a thousand miles. Load a sheet. Eat a roll of paper towels. Go to the store because you're out of paper towels. Wear a stovepipe top hat. Go see him. Blackmail a politician. Listen to a sexy audiobook. Pee on the floor and blame your kid. Grab a hiccup shroud. Douse your body in the peanut butter. Put the hot dog in the taco. Infiltrate the KGB. Unwash your hands. Get probed by Martians. Sign up for jury duty. Forget your name. Samet in the Arsene. Resurrect Carl Sagan. Epstein didn't kill himself. Have a second kid. Surgically replace your hands with fish. Just try your best. Find the enabler. Herbalife. Ask the operator to put you on hold. Smoke some strawberry smart slot. Maybe the hiccups should stop you. You guys, you guys, you guys. I think we did it. Oh, so, so sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, hang on. So, sorry. Super Secret Show was written by Nathan Franklin, Jared Souza, John Adams, Jared Brown, Tess Nakaishi, Nicolette Regina, and Evan Goldsmith. Starring in order of appearance, John Adams, Jared Brown, Nathan Franklin, Jared Souza, Evan Goldsmith, and Tess Nakaishi. Hosted by Jessica and Ryan Feeson. Technical director, Brett Cavan. And directed by Phil McNasser. All rights reserved, Escape Reality LLC. Find us online at escaperealitycomedy.com. Listen on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. This is Nathan Franklin, and I'm here to give some additional credits. 
First off, this episode of Escape Reality Radio Theater was edited by me. You're welcome. I'd also like to clear the air about something. For the longest time, our director, Phil McNasser, had been nagging us about letting him write, and we got so sick of his incessant complaining that we finally gave in and agreed to use one of the two sketches that he had brought to us. Naturally, it would be the one that was not his worst, i.e. the one not about peanut butter. Nevertheless, we remained adamant that Phil would not get a writing credit. Since he would be the one announcing credits at the end of the show, the only way we could accomplish this is through hypnosis. So right before the show started, the performers put a spell on Phil, making him forget to mention his own name when crediting the writers. Phil, you and I have had several interactions since then, and if I ever may have seemed awkward, it's because I've been carrying this massive guilt. There's been a history of us not giving you credit where credit is due. On behalf of all the performers, I want to say I'm sorry, and I hope you can forgive us. The door is always open for you to bring these little pieces of writing that you call sketches, but we will stand our ground that we will never perform your peanut butter sketch. But it's time to make amends. The sketch titled Meet the Grunkles was written by none other than Phil McNader. I feel like a weight has been lifted. Thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoy the show. Praise God.